chapter twenty eight of mrs craddock by william somerset mom this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tony oliva but after easter miss ley proposed that they should travel slowly back to england bertha had dreaded the suggestion not only because she regretted to leave rome but still more because it rendered necessary some explanation the winter had passed comfortably enough with the excuse of indifferent health but now some other reason must be found to account for the continued absence from her husband's side and bertha's racked imagination gave her nothing she was determined however under no circumstances to return to court leys after such happy freedom the confinement of body and soul would be doubly intolerable edward had been satisfied with the pretext and had let bertha go without a word as he said he was not the man to stand in his wife's way when her health required her to leave him and he could peg along all right by himself their letters had been fairly frequent but on bertha's side a constant effort she was always telling herself that the only rational course was to make edward a final statement of her intentions and then break off all communication but the dread of fuss and bother and of endless explanation restrained her and she compromised by writing as seldom as possible and adhering to the merest trivialities she was surprised once or twice when she had delayed her answer to receive from him a second letter asking with some show of anxiety why she did not write miss ley had never mentioned edward's name and bertha surmised that she knew much of the truth but she kept her own counsel blessed are they who mind their own business and hold their tongues miss ley indeed was convinced that some catastrophe had occurred but true to her habit of allowing people to work out their lives in their own way without interference took care to seem unobservant which was really very noble for she prided herself on nothing more than on her talent for observation the most difficult thing for a wise woman to do she said is to pretend to be a foolish one finally she guessed bertha's present difficulty and it seemed easily surmountable i wish you'd come back to london with me instead of going to court leys she said you've never had a london season have you on the whole i think it's amusing the opera is very good and sometimes you see people who are quite well dressed bertha did not answer and miss ley seeing her wish to accept and at the same time her hesitation suggested that she should come for a few weeks well knowing that a woman's visit is apt to spin itself out for an indeterminate time i'm sorry i shan't have room for edward too said miss ley smiling dryly but my flat is very small you know they had been settled a few days in the flat at elliot mansions when bertha coming in to breakfast one morning found miss ley in a great state of suppressed amusement she was quivering like an uncoiled spring and she pecked at her toast and at her egg in a bird-like manner which bertha knew could only mean that some one had made a fool of himself to the great entertainment of her aunt bertha began to laugh good heavens she cried what has happened my dear a terrible catastrophe 
miss ley repressed a smile but her eyes gleamed and danced as though she were a young woman you don't know gerald vaudrey do you but you know who he is i believe he's a cousin of mine bertha's father who made a practice of quarrelling with all his relations had found in general vaudrey a brother-in-law as irascible as himself so that the two families had never been on speaking term i've just had a letter from his mother to say he's been uh, philandering rather violently with her maid and they're all in despair the maid has been sent away in hysterics his mother and his sister are in tears and the general's in a passion and says he won't have the boy in his house another day and the little wretch is only nineteen disgraceful isn't it disgraceful said bertha smiling i wonder what there is in a french maid that small boys should invariably make love to her oh my dear if you only saw my sister's maid she's forty if she's a day and her complexion is like parchment very much the worse for wear but the awful part of it is that your aunt betty beseeches me to look after the boy he's going to florida in a month and meanwhile he's to stay in london now what i want to know is how am i to keep a dissolute infant out of mischief is it the sort of thing that one would expect of me miss ley waved her arms with comic desperation oh but it'll be great fun we'll reform him together we'll lead him on a path where french maids are not to be met at every turn and corner my dear you don't know what he is he's an utter young scamp he was expelled from rugby he's been to half a dozen crammers because they wanted him to go to sandhurst but he utterly refused to work and he's been ploughed in every exam he's gone in for even for the militia so now his father has given him five hundred pounds and told him to go to the devil how rude but why should the poor boy go to florida i suggested that i know some people who've got an orange plantation there and i dare say that the view of several miles of orange blossom will suggest to him that promiscuous flirtation may have unpleasant results i think i shall like him said bertha i have no doubt you will he's an utter scamp and rather pretty next day when bertha was in the drawing-room reading gerald vaudrey was shown in she smiled to reassure him and put out her hand in the friendliest manner she thought he must be a little confused at meeting a stranger instead of miss ley and unhappy in his disgrace you don't know who i am she said oh yes i do he replied with a very pleasant smile the slavey told me aunt polly was out but that you were here i'm glad you didn't go away i thought i shouldn't frighten you you know bertha opened her eyes he was certainly not at all shy though he looked even younger than nineteen he was a nice boy very slight and not so tall as bertha with a small quite girlish face he had a tiny pretty nose and a pink and white freckled complexion his hair was dark and curly he wore it somewhat long evidently aware that it was beautiful and his handsome green eyes had a charming expression his sensual mouth was always smiling what a nice boy thought bertha i'm sure i shall like him he began to talk as if he had known her all his life 
and she was entertained by the contrast between his innocent appearance and his disreputable past he looked about the room with boyish ease and stretched himself comfortably in a big armchair halloa that's new since i was here last he said pointing to an italian bronze have you been here often rather i used to come here whenever it got too hot for me at home it's no good scrapping with your governor because he's got the ooftish it's a jolly unfair advantage that fathers have but they always take it so when the old chap flew into a passion i used to say i won't argue with you if you can't treat me like a gentleman i shall go away for a week and i used to come here and polly always gave me five quid and said don't tell me how you spend it because i shouldn't approve but come again when you want some more she is a ripper ain't she i'm sorry she's not in i'm rather glad because i can have a long talk with you till she comes i've never seen you before so i have such a lot to say have you said bertha laughing that's rather unusual in young men he looked so absurdly young that bertha could not help treating him as a schoolboy and she was amused at his communicativeness she wanted him to tell her his escapades but was afraid to ask are you very hungry she thought that boys always had appetites would you like some tea i'm starving she poured him out a cup and taking it and three jam sandwiches he sat on a footstool at her feet he made himself quite at home you've never seen my vaudry cousins have you he asked with his mouth full i can't stick em at any price they're such frumps i'll tell em all about you it'll make them beastly sick bertha raised her eyebrows and do you object to frumps i simply loathe them at the last tutors i was at the old chap's wife was the most awful old geezer you ever saw so i wrote and told my mater that i was afraid my morals were being corrupted and did she take you away well by a curious coincidence the old chap wrote the very same day and told the potter if he didn't remove me he'd give me the shoot so i sent in my resignation and told him his cigars were poisonous and cleared out don't you think you'd better sit on a chair said bertha you must be very uncomfortable on that footstool oh no not at all after a turkey carpet and a dining-room table there's nothing so comfy as a footstool a chair always makes me feel respectable and dull bertha thought gerald rather a nice name how long are you staying in london oh only a month worse luck then i've got to go to the states to make my fortune and reform i hope you will which one can't do both at once you know you make your money first and you reform afterwards if you've got time but whatever happens it'll be a good sight better than sweating away at an everlasting crammer's if there is one man i can't stick at any price it's the army crammer you have a large experience of them i understand i wish you didn't know all my past history now i shan't have the sport of telling you i don't think it would be edifying oh yes it would it would show you how virtue is downtrodden that's me and how vice is triumphant i'm awfully unlucky 
people sort of conspire together to look at my actions from the wrong point of view i've had a jolly rough luck all through first i was bunked from rugby well that wasn't my fault i was quite willing to stay and i'm blowed if i was worse than anybody else the potter blackguarded me for six weeks and said i was bringing his gray hairs with sorrow to the grave well you know he's simply awfully bald so at last i couldn't help saying that i didn't know where his gray hairs were going to but it didn't much look as if he meant to accompany them so after that he sent me to a crammer who played poker well he skinned me of every shilling i'd got and then wrote and told the potter i was an immoral young dog and corrupting his house i think we'd better change the subject gerald said bertha oh but you must have the sequel the next place i went to i found none of the other fellows knew poker so of course i thought it a sort of merciful interposition of providence to help me to recoup myself i told em not to lay up treasures in this world and walloped in thirty quid in four days then the old thingamajig i forget his name but he was a parson told me i was making his place into a gambling hell and that he wouldn't have me another day in his house so off i toddled and i stayed at home for six months that gave me the fair hump i can tell you the conversation was disturbed by the entrance of miss ley you see we've made friends said bertha gerald always does that with everybody he's the most gregarious person how are you lothario flourishing my belinda he replied flinging his arms round miss ley's neck to her great delight and pretended indignation you're irrepressible she said i expected to find you in sackcloth and ashes penitent and silent my dear aunt polly ask me to do anything you like except to repent and hold my tongue you know your mother has asked me to look after you i like being looked after and is bertha going to help i've been thinking it over added miss ley and the only way i can think to keep you out of mischief is to make you spend your evenings with me so you'd better go home now and dress i know there's nothing you like better than changing your clothes meanwhile bertha observed with astonishment that gerald was simply devouring her with his eyes it was impossible not to see his evident admiration the boy must be mad she thought but could not help feeling a little flattered he's been telling me some dreadful stories she said to miss ley when he had gone i hope they're not true oh i think you must take all gerald says with a grain of salt he exaggerates dreadfully and all boys like to seem byronic so do most men for the matter of that he looks so young i can't believe that he's really naughty well my dear there's no doubt about his mother's maid the evidence is of the most conclusive order i know i should be dreadfully angry with him but everyone is so virtuous nowadays that a change is quite refreshing and he's so young he may reform englishmen start galloping to the devil but as they grow older they nearly always change horses and amble along gently to respectability a wife and seventeen children 
i like the contrast of his green eyes and his dark hair my dear it can't be denied that he's made to capture the feminine heart i never try to resist him myself he's so extremely convincing when he tells you some outrageous fib bertha went to her room and looked at herself in the glass then put on her most becoming dinner dress good gracious said miss ley you've not put that on for gerald you'll turn the boy's head he's dreadfully susceptible it's the first one i came across replied bertha innocently End of chapter 28